Welcome to the Unbound Healing Podcast. I'm Anne-Marie Garland, nutritional therapist and health coach at Grassfed Salsa, and with me is my co-host Michelle Hoover, certified nutritional therapy practitioner and writer of everything you'll find at Unbound Wellness. Here we share everything about overcoming health challenges from autoimmunity to hormone imbalance and more with holistic living, mindset shifts, practical tips, and a real food paleo approach. Remember our disclaimer, the content within this podcast is intended to provide general information and is not to be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now let's get on with the show. How are you this weekend? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. We didn't get a chance to recap it because we had an interview last week with Melissa, which was awesome. But I was in Austin the week before that, and I got to meet a little baby girl, Garland, IRL. <laughs> and she, guys, she is the sweetest. Anne was like, she's being so crabby. Like, I feel more crabby than she does. Like, she oh. was so, like, she was so smiley and so well behaved and just chill. Like, she was, yeah, she was crying like a little bit. You're like, oh, she's crabby. Like, she's, she, it was like so overly stimulating in there. And like, she cried for like 30 seconds out of the whole thing. Yeah, I think so she like, like really loved getting out of the house, but then was way overstimulated by it's it. Overstimulating. So. Yeah. yeah. But so she was then. So, yeah. I was yeah. like, if this is her crabby, oh my goodness. She is and she was smiling and I was like, I'm I'm done. And oh her smiles are just like my just leave. favorite thing. <laughs> it's so much fun. Um her yes. smiles now that she responds with smiles, it's just like the yes. most fun i love it so much Does i can't wait until she starts giggling yeah when do they start giggling i don't know she already like sort of does at the end of a smile if she's really happy she'll do this little like squeal um mm. but that's it oh yeah she is yeah. the sweetest and she is so i love her oh thank she's you so, so much it's, yeah, yeah so what are your updates this week um, there's lots of good stuff on the blog right now. I've been having a lot of fun. <laughs> if you hear any jingling, by the way, my husband's out of town and my cat is beside himself, not having his best friend. So the cat is just like been running around me all day. So if you're jingling, it's the cat very upset about life right now. <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff on the blog right now. I've been really loving just cooking with some new flavors with spring coming. So there's a lot of fun stuff. Um, I'm putting out some good foundational kind of blog posts. Ever since we started the podcast, I'm like, well, this is where I'm going to put all my health information now. And I'm going to just put recipes on the blog, but I'm getting back into doing a lot more health related things on the blog as well, just more frequently. I was still doing them, but just not as frequently as I'm trying to now. I'm putting out um, a blog post on that has just little downloads of a list of AIP foods. And there's like a little wallet size. So if you're new to an AIP diet, those are really helpful little lists. Um, I'm doing one that's like a complete guide to the autoimmune protocol that talks about reintroductions and all that stuff. And I'll be doing similar posts for Hashimoto's. I'm going to be talking about some like AIP baking flour, just basically things that I get questions about all the time and that I had questions about coming into it. I'm trying to answer them on the blog too, as well as the podcast. So if you head over there, if you missed some of those printable posts, um, unboundwellness.com. It's fun stuff. Um, other than that, got health overhaul, which is my live coaching program slash just my online course. You can do it live or you can do it guided with, or you, <laughs> you can do it live or you can do it self-guided. Um, it's creeping back up. So just keep an eye out. We will be doing another round here in the spring sometime soon. If you want to get on the waiting list to do the live version, you can go to guthealthoverhaul.com and actually physically sign up for the waiting list. Or if you can't wait, it's still available 
um, just as the self-guided right now, but it'll be opening up back soon. And I'm really excited because that's the only way that I work with one-on-one -on -one clients anymore, just because a lot of what I do is the blog. So I love being able to just, you know, talk one-on-one -on -one with people and help people in the group setting is really fun as well. So yeah, that's what's going on. And the cat's really loud. I love group programs. They're so yeah. fun. And just it really is really great to have that much community support and everything. it is. And I think it's just so amazing to get on like a live call with multiple people and hear somebody else's voice, voicing the same concerns that you have and saying that they're going through the same things. You know, we're so siloed when we have a chronic illness in the real world. Like we just don't talk about it, but getting onto a call with real people that, you know, are saying the same things is really fun. So totally excited. Keep your eyes peeled. Ladies and germs. <laughs> Love it. Well, my updates are just that I am currently like drowning. Um, I was <laughs> talking to Michelle about this earlier offline, but I decided to kick back off my 20 hour a week design job like a few weeks before I started teaching and then I just jumped right into teaching again with four full classes. So to put it into perspective, I usually teach one interior design class and work part-time and then run my business. And now I'm teaching four and I don't know why I thought that would be a good idea doing it from home, but I did. And it is like just crazy. So the last two weeks have been involving teaching work and I'm just trying to get that all figured out along with my needy little precious child. Um, so we're putting her on a sleep schedule and it has been, I mean, it's only been three days, but if you are a mom, you know that like one day can be life-changing. And so I will say that the last three days could potentially have been life-changing with her actually sleeping on her own and me getting some uninterrupted work done three during three naps a day. So um, we're hoping that this, that this stays, stays good. And I'm able to um, continue, continue producing stuff for my business and not just uh, all interior design stuff, because for the last couple of weeks, it's sort of taken a backseat. The business stuff has had to take a backseat with everything else that's going on. Um, but it's okay. This baby is how you do it all. Uh, honestly, it's just like, I really thought it would be so much easier. I said probably every mother ever, I really thought it was going to be easier. And I thought, oh, there, I never get the opportunity to teach this many classes and three of them are from home and this will just be the perfect job with a baby. No. <laughs> it's been really interesting, but I'm one week down, 10 weeks to go, I can, I will persevere. Mm, um, yeah. So this week though, I do have um, some fun things on the blog so you can check it out. I recently posted matcha latte protein bite, which is super good. They're AIP and they have a teeny tiny bit of caffeine from the dark chocolate and well dark chocolate if you aren't going with the AIP version um, but also a tiny 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 bit of caffeine from the matcha latte spread out throughout the entire batch they're really really good I actually brought some with me uh, to give to Michelle and our podcast virtual assistant and I forgot about them I was thinking awesome. about that later <laughs> it was like a week later I was like Dang, what about them yeah I, I think I, mean, I, I loved them so and, much food. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would have just been buried by guacamole. And then another thing is a plantain tortilla on my blog. And it's just four ingredients. One of the ingredients is water. Another one is salt. So you probably have all the ingredients and they're actually really easy. You bake them. You don't saute them. So it's like a one and done thing rather than standing over your stove for a really long time. So those are up on the blog and also because I love them so much and I'm planning on using them for quite a few recipes, there's also a new brand, I can't remember the name, that has AIP plantain tortillas that you can purchase. So it's like 
Siete Foods cassava flour tortillas, but they're totally AIP because it's just plantain, avocado oil, and Himalayan sea salt. Wait, no. where? Where? Um, now? So oh, my, no. <laughs> my friend works with Artisan Tropics, and Artisan Tropics helped her connect with this other brand. And so she comes over to do food photography at my house because my house is pretty great for food photography. And she brought them over and made me lunch and they are so good. She left me with an entire package and I like demoed them. So, Oh my gosh. Um, gosh, I, you can buy them online. I should have came prepared with more information. Apparently, um, we'll I will update. Notes. Yeah, I'm and not going to let you get off this call until you tell me. Okay, okay, so. I will. I'll find. Actually, here, you know what? But we'll uh, catch you guys up in the show notes. Yeah, and actually, when when you do the topics question, when you get into the first question, I'll text my friend and and get the okay. the name of the brand. We'll try to figure it out for you guys. So I, yeah, I will update towards the end of this podcast. Okay. All right. What are you loving this week? Okay. Well, aside from those tortillas, I started a new skincare product through Beauty Counter. And if you guys remember back from Michelle and I's skincare beauty episode, which we're planning on doing an all about skincare episode soon, um, I talked about a couple different Beauty Counter products that I'd used them for skincare. Well, I just recently started the cleansing balm, which took me a while to invest in because it is a higher ticket item. But I was finally convinced because I'd heard that it had that it lasted a really long time. And I love it so much. And you use it too, don't you, Michelle? I do. It's great. It's so great. Oh my gosh. So it's, it just leaves your skin feeling so, so, so moisturized and soft and exfoliated. And uh, like, I really, really love it. Like in the morning, my skin feels so good. And at night it removes makeup too. Yeah. I haven't tried. Take off your makeup. I haven't tried it as a makeup remover because I have the, the, um, mascara remover. Uh Uh-huh. Or actually, I just have the makeup remover that I use as a mascara remover from Beauty Counter, but it's almost running out. So I think after it runs out, I'll see if I can just make do with the cleansing balm instead. So you have to use it to to remove eye makeup as well. Um, I do. I mean, I don't know if anybody. I don't. I I never really get it in my eyes. I've become pretty good about that. In the Beauty Counter eye makeup remover, there's macadamia nut oil, and I'm really Mm. allergic to that. So I'm afraid to put that in my eyes. So I'm like, whatever, I'm just going to try to make it do with the cleansing balm and it works. You know, there, I wonder if that's what irritates my eyes sometimes when I use the, the, um, the, uh, oh my gosh, I almost said Mary Kay, the beauty counter eye makeup remover. I I used to use almond oil. So if you guys want a budget-friendly option for an eye makeup remover, almond oil works really well. It Mm -hmm. stays a little bit greasier, but if you wash your face after, then it's not that big of a deal, and it smells really good. Yeah. I love just opening my cabinet and putting that stuff on my face. Yeah. I love putting it in my bath. It smells so good and makes your skin feel so soft when you get out. And I don't tolerate nuts. Like right now I'm still breastfeeding and I I seem to be tolerating all my non-AIP foods just fine still. Um, But I don't tolerate nuts well. And the almond oil itself has never bothered me. And I think it's probably because the protein isn't likely left in there or very, very trace amounts of protein are left in there. So it just Mm -hmm. doesn't seem to bother me. Anyway, should we we, um, get into topics and questions? Yeah. I will, you want me to start reading Lauren's question? Sure. And I will text my friend. Yeah. So Lauren wrote in this question saying, I am fairly new to the Hashimoto's community online, but I'm glad I found it. I listened to your whole live post with Frolic and Flow, and I hope you do something like that again. So quick 
background. Um, I, me, Michelle, did a Facebook, Facebook, Instagram live with Carly over at Frolic and Flow. And we did one all about Hashimoto. So she's another really good resource to follow. Just Instagram, Frolic and Flow. And this question and the next one came from that live. So probably need to do more. Um, Anyway, back to Lauren. Okay. So one thing I've noticed is that there's a lot of talk about hormone imbalance that's linked to everything with Hashimoto's. And I have a lot of questions about it. I personally, um, probably like a lot of 28 year old women have been on birth control pills for eight to nine years. When I started my healing journey with my functional medicine doctor last summer, I didn't want to make any changes to that. So we've just been focusing on my thyroid antibodies, inflammation markers, et cetera. When we do blood work, I'm happy to say that I've seen major improvements over the last eight months or so thanks to modified diet and supplements. I'm wondering if I'm missing a major piece of it, having not addressed any hormone issues. A little about me, I am a 28-year-old happily married for almost five years, but we're wanting to wait a couple more years to still have kiddos. I want to heal as much as possible, and we are enjoying focusing on our careers and travel right now. That said, I am sure there are a lot of people out there in my position, married or not, that are wanting to heal, um, but not wanting to start to have kids. So what is the best option? I know fertility problems with autoimmune disease is fairly common, so I obviously don't want to really wait to have kids, then go off birth control pills and have it take years to balance off my hormones and wish I started earlier. I have a good friend with Hashimoto's who is a few years older than me and it's been truly heartbreaking watching her struggle with getting pregnant and miscarrying when she does get pregnant. Um, so this is a great question because I feel like I was in this same situation when I first got married. I had a hormone flare. And when I was really working with my functional medicine doctor, we were doing a lot of the same things of just working on thyroid, working on the gut, working on those things. And I didn't want to touch hormones. Like I, I just wanted to stay on birth control and just say, mm, I'll worry about it later. Um, and it kind of came to a head for me because I had so many things with stress going on all at once. But after I got married, I had a hemorrhagic, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, a hemorrhagic ovarian cyst flare up. I've never been diagnosed with PCOS. You can have ovarian cysts without having PCOS and it is, you know, correlated with Hashimoto's, the hormone imbalance in general, all of those things. So that flared up for me and um, they almost did like emergency surgery and everything. And that was a really scary moment because I was like, I don't want this to happen, but hemorrhagic means it's like bleeding within itself. So that's cute. It's, it's not, it's not cute. Yeah. Um, so I was in the same situation of, okay, I need to actually come off birth control right now because I was really only on birth control because it was masking and hiding my hormones from even happening that I had painful periods my whole life. And it's like, I don't want to think about hormones anymore. I'm just going to get on this birth control pill and pretend like I don't have them. That's the problem with birth control pills for me. So as for, let's start with that. I will never tell anyone to get off prescribed medication. So I am not saying, hey, stop taking your birth control pill right now. I'm not a doctor. I cannot tell anybody to get off any prescribed medication. I don't know what else is going on in your life. I don't know exactly why you started the birth control pills. However, I think birth control is kind of not so great. I wrote in my notes, BC is BS. <laughs> um, it artificially messes with your hormones and you can't really do any healing when you're on it because you don't necessarily even know exactly what's happening. For me, I didn't realize that I had low progesterone and I was estrogen dominant because the birth control was keeping me just kind of like I wasn't really getting periods, like I wasn't 
um, noticing any of those shifts because the birth control was just kind of masking it all. So that's why doctors love throwing it at people that have problems. They're just like, okay, well, if you have heavy bleeding or irregular cycles or something, just take the birth control and you won't have to think about it. But when it comes to like, hey, I really want to get in tune with my hormones and like start to figure this stuff out, like start to track my cycles, start to know what my hormones are doing before I have children, birth control really stands in the way of that because you can't really be as intuitive. Like I've never been able to track all of that stuff with my hormones as well as I can now when I got off of birth control. So I think that's a big conversation to have with your doctor. Again, I'm not telling anybody to get off anything. I will never say that, but it's a conversation to have with your doctor. Um, it always raises the question, well, how do I avoid pregnancy if I'm not taking hormonal birth control? And that question makes me really sad that society has conditioned women so much to believe that the only way that you have any control over your body is this little pill pack. That's not true at all. It makes me really sad. Um, you know, people see birth control as something that's really empowering. And I mean, it is empowering to take control over your body for sure, but you don't need pills to do that. There are so many ways that you can take control over your fertility, over your hormones without birth control. Um, there's so much we can do. There is tracking your cycle and you don't need one of those really expensive tracker things. You can literally just pull out a calendar, read a book, get an app. Um, I just use an app. And right now I've gotten to the point where I'm intuitive enough where I can just kind of like feel what phases I'm moving through. Um, and then you can avoid, you know, like, okay, I know I'm ovulating this time. I am not going to be sexually active at this point. Um, you could go to 7-Eleven. There's like these things that they sell for like five bucks. Um, married, pe married people do still use those as well, but there's so many options as far as controlling pregnancy. And it's not even that you asked that. It's just, I know that that's going to be a follow-up question for other listeners because I see that question all the time. So basically I think, um, you didn't really talk about if you have any known imbalances that you're working with. So that's where this starts for you to get to the point where you're actually kind of making sure that your hormones are stable before you start to try to get pregnant is understanding what you're working with. That's why I just ranted all about birth control, kind of, you know, not helping with that whole thing, but you need to know what you're working with. That is the first step. You could be estrogen dominant. You could have low estrogen. You could have messed up progesterone you, or you could be totally perfect, but you don't know what you really need to do until you figure that out first. So tracking your cycle is a really cheap, easy, and effective way to do that. Um, my favorite, the app that I use, it's called um, My flow F L O and you can put in symptoms and it can say like, Oh, if you have this symptom, you know, you probably have low progesterone or high estrogen or something. And that can really help. There are lots of books out there. Um, Dutch testing. We've talked about that a lot. Um, that is a really good test that you can get that will really get down into it. And honestly, if you're not comfortable coming off of birth control right now, that can probably still tell you some things um, without coming off of it. Um, as for really balancing hormones, we're going to talk about this more throughout the um, podcast for sure. But a lot of it goes back to just knowing what you're working with, then the main pillars of really balancing your hormones are things like diet, stress, and external factors like toxins, lifestyle changes. So making sure that you're sleeping, not overly stressed, and that your diet isn't a blood sugar roller coaster, that's very, very high level. So not knowing what you're dealing with 
at all, like, and you just want good hormones, you want to pull things out of the way, those are the things that I most commonly see in women that holds them back, um, being nutrient deficient as well, like having low vitamin D, um, low minerals, low magnesium, things like that all play a role. But again, it just all goes back to knowing what you're working with. Well, I've been said. wanting to rant, do that birth control rant for a really long time. And I feel very, that was very therapeutic for me. And she wasn't so- even asking that. Like, I was just like, I'm just going to say this now. No, I think it's good that you said it too, because I just went to my, well, not just now it's been a while, but I went to my postpartum appointment with my midwife and she was talking to me about birth control because I, since baby Gigi was breached. I had to have a C-section and it's very dangerous for a mom to get pregnant uh, after like in a certain time frame after having a baby via C-section. And so she was like, it's very important that you guys take, you know, the necessary precautions to avoid pregnancy for this duration of time. And like thinking back, I was like, well, shoot, is our original go-to method enough Or do we need to start, like, do I need to consider a copper IUD and all these things? But, you know, I was able to kind of talk myself out of that. But it's just like you're saying, like, society programs us to think that, like, we have to have a certain form of birth control in order to prevent pregnancy. But that's not true. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, and it's just that, oh, like, yeah. Uh, like that's what you learn about when you're learning about hormones is that just immediately it goes straight into birth control. Well, so what I was going to say was kind of talk about just different options that they could use, reiterate some of the same things you've said, but the copper IUD is one option that is a non-hormonal form of birth control. The copper acts like as a spermicide, I, I guess. I have no idea if I'm saying that right, but that's the way I was kind of explained to it. However, it does have its own issues. So it does cause low-grade inflammation at the location specifically. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, that inflammation has been shown to subside very quickly, like within several months. But it, it, for other people, may be the entire time. I mean, it's a foreign object in your body. And also, not to mention that it is a metal within your body. And I don't know what the repercussions of that would be. So some people may feel comfortable recommending that. That may be a really great option for some people. I personally didn't feel like it was a good option for me. So there are also organic latex condoms. There's also the withdrawal method. The withdrawal method, if it is done correctly, can be very effective, not 100%, but still effective. So you can combine a couple options there and feel pretty pretty freaking secure in your inability to conceive. Um, also, combining these options with abstinence while you're actually... Um, able to conceive during that time of the month. So like Michelle said, getting a uh, tracker to track your cycle. This is also a great, I personally think that everybody should start tracking their cycle with a, with one of these trackers because it's really empowering. It's so empowering. It really is to know where you're at in your cycle. You will start to be able to identify where you're at in your cycle via your discharge. So without Mm -hmm. even having to take your temperature every morning and Oh yeah. You just start to learn at some point. And it's so, to me, it's so amazing as a woman who definitely has mood swings and just, I don't know. I always used to have boyfriends who were like, you're just crazy. This is triggering. (laughs) Not like that, but you know, it's like, I would just always feel bad. Like whenever I would have like mood swings, it'd be like, I've just, I just can't control myself. Like I just didn't understand. It's like, there's so much more going on. Like my hormones are so imbalanced at the time. Like they were so imbalanced one, but it's like, I just didn't correlate any way that I was feeling back to this amazing, like crazy in-depth process that was going on in my body. Like how you know, how are we cheating ourselves of not understanding our bodies better by like understanding the intricate hormone, like ebb and flow that's going on every single month and understanding those patterns. It's just made me so much more of a sane person. Yeah, totally agree. And also it's really helpful for when you are ready to try to start 
to conceive, which you said might happen in the next couple of years, you will just be like one step ahead. Your cycle tracking will already be completely established and you will know when you are ovulating and it will be, it should be, you know, very easy process for you to, um, to transition into a trying to concede, conceive state. That would be my suggestion would be to grab one of these online apps, the three that I have used and would recommend any of them um, over the years have been Flow and that's just FLO. There's Kindara and Glow. So those are three different options to track. And then you can use, if you're still a little hesitant, you can use any of those other three options I talked about. And those are a variety of different ways to prevent pregnancy without using artificial hormones. One thing that I would suggest you listen to is a Balanced Bites podcast. I've mentioned it on our podcast before because it was very informative. It's episode number 299 of the Balanced Bites podcast. Dr. Jolene Brighton was their interviewee, and she talked about the use of birth control and the duration of time that takes to recover uh, optimal hormone function after you quit hormonal birth control. And really just the entire episode was a wealth of information. So I, I suggest everybody who might be the tiniest bit interested in optimizing their female hormones, go and listen to that episode. And then like Michelle said, birth control artificially optimizes your hormone levels. And so we know that that's never going to be an ideal situation. And just like other medications, since you are artificially manipulating your hormones, you're, you could be using birth control as a band-aid to cover up an issue that you don't even know exists yet. Mm -hmm. And then becomes an issue following, you know, getting rid of birth control. So that's, that's just another thing. It's like, it could extend the time it takes for you to conceive because you may discover an issue once you get off of it that you didn't realize was there. That was exactly my issue that I'm, oh, I'm pretty sure that I had that whole hemorrhagic ovarian cyst. It was right after I came off birth control. So it was probably masking that for a really long time those sorts of things for a really long time. And right. it was, I mean, I, I did come back and get testing and found out that I had estrogen dominance and low progesterone and all this stuff. And I had no idea. I went for the time where I was like, gosh, I, I was, I did it for like at least five years where it was just like, um, just pretend like it's not happening. And then I would have gotten to where just try to have a baby and I'm still working on the hormone stuff. And Daniel and I have been married for three years. Right. So it's, I just hate what it does. I hate it. Right. Well, and if you need a testimony, it sounds like Michelle and I, neither of us use hormonal birth control. And the entire time I've been with my husband, the five years I've been with him, we have not used hormonal birth control and we didn't have a baby until we wanted to have a baby. If that's any testimony and it sounds like Michelle's in the same situation. So mm -hmm. those are two testimonies for yeah. the success of non-hormonal birth control. It can just be done. tracking, just tracking, just listening to your body. And there are so many benefits to it. Totally. So many, oh my God. I am such, I'm so excited talking about this. I'm getting so fired up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> before we hop into the next question, I have plantain news. Plantain updates. I didn't want to interrupt need, that one question. We need like, a, we need like some sort of sound effect, like plantain news. Okay. Okay. So the plantain tortillas that you can purchase, I don't know if they're anywhere else. They come frozen. They are from crunchy kitchen foods and they are, they have two different products. They have the original plantain tortillas, which is what I tried. And then they have a spinach plantain tortilla mm -hmm. and the only added ingredient is organic spinach. Wow. So They're both AIP friendly. You can order them from their site. Highly Coming recommend. Up. Coming yes. up. Dang. So we have linked to their website shop page in our show notes. Thank you, Crunchy Kitchen Foods. Yeah, buddy. All right. Should we get into the next question? Yeah. Do you want to read it? Yeah, I'll read it. Erica asked, enjoyed your, or she stated, Erica, enjoyed your Instagram live yesterday. <laughs> Wondering if your periods ever came back. So the back, the back story there was Michelle obviously talked about her periods. Uh, going away. 
Yeah. On Instagram Live. So um, she's asking Michelle, wondering if your periods ever came back. Mine totally vanished after a normal pregnancy with my son in 2010 at the age of 25. I was obviously panicking because I wanted more children. So after having some labs drawn to see what was going on, my FSH came back elevated and my estrogen was very low. I was referred to a reproductive endocrinologist who basically shrugged his shoulders and said there's no explanation and labeled me with premature ovarian failure. Years later, I'm seeing a functional medicine doctor and chiropractor who is the first doctor to actually listen to me and wants me wants to help me figure out what's actually going on in my body. I found out that I have vitamin D is significantly low, like almost non-existing. My thyroid antibodies are slightly elevated and my adrenals are taxed. No wonder my body is not operating properly. I did a whole 30 in January and felt awesome, started a protocol of supplements and have continued to be gluten-free. I'm curious to see if my reproductive system fires back again. I refuse to accept the fact that I probably ran out of eggs or am in premature menopause. So what I wanted to say about this is I have two close friends who are both diagnosed with premature ovarian failure. One of them is Elena from Grazed and Enthused. And if you are familiar with her, she was able to recover her cycle after, I want to say like seven years and mm -hmm. even had a child. So don't lose hope. It is possible even with that diagnosis. The other thing that I want to talk about premature ovarian failure is there isn't one single, in, in the case of my two friends, both of them had the same experience that led to premature ovarian failure. However, I don't think that's the case for everybody. There, so what I'm getting at here is there isn't one single identifiable trigger that causes premature ovarian failure, which likely means that there is some other root cause that you can figure out. And so the fact that you're working with a functional medicine doctor is wonderful because that's their specialty. They're going to dig and try to find that root cause with you. And that way you can figure that out and move forward with your life without keeping this, um, this diagnosis or this label of premature ovarian failure. I, part of me feels like it's almost, it's almost one of these things like IBS where it's kind of just like a blanket term. Like mm -hmm. we don't know what's wrong with know, you. So. so we're just going to give you this, like we want to put a label on it. So we're just going to give you this thing, but there's likely something like my IBS was actually undiagnosed celiac disease. Like what is yours that you can do one thing and then fix it. And thankfully Elena was able to figure out what hers was and, overcome it. And actually we talked a lot about this in our episode with Elena. I think she touched on it um, in the episode that Michelle and I did at the very beginning of our podcasting. I want to say it's it was like episode like, three. That's what I was thinking too. And then um, Elena and I did another podcast in, I want to say like Jan it came out sometime in January mm -hmm. and we dived a lot deeper into her her story there. So if you want, you know, somebody to kind of like listen to a, a positive testimony of somebody who's gotten their period back and successfully conceived again, I would suggest looking into following her and listening to that podcast. Um, I do think that adrenals, uh, you're on the right track with everything that you're focusing on now with your functional medicine doctor. So just keep it up. I'm curious to see what happens to, I'd love to hear back from you. If you end up, um, you know, having anything happen with this, what do you have to say, Michelle? Yeah. So to answer your question, yes. Um, obviously birth control can suppress you from having a regular cycle. So I went through that when I was on birth control, but when I came off birth control, um, I had went back to normal and then I had a Hashimoto's flare and kind of at the beginning of when I started my blog, um, and I had lost my cycle again and then it came back. So yes, it totally 120% can come back. It is not like a death sentence to your cycle if you lose it and it's gone for an extended period of time. Um, I think when I was a teenager, like when I first got Hashimoto's, I think it was like several months. It was a really long time where it went away. So your fertility 
can for sure come back. It's just that something is standing in your way right now. And everything that you described is more than enough to throw off your cycle. Um, so you are on the right track, you know, seeing a fun functional medicine doctor, getting on an adrenal protocol, um, considering something like an autoimmune protocol diet, that doesn't necessarily mean that that is, um, you know, super necessary for you. It's not necessary for everybody, but we both have lots of resources on our blogs. Um, we have eBooks and things like that, talking about the autoimmune protocol diet and it's just diet. It's just one piece of it. And we've already talked about a million other things other than just diet, but diet is very important. And you did say that you had a you know, you saw a big difference with doing a whole 30. Um, so those are things to look at, but I guess to answer your main question, can your fertility actually come back? The answer is yes, in my opinion. Yes, that's good. And that's actually the same thing kind of that happened to me too. I didn't lose my period for a long time following getting off of hormonal birth control, but it was very, very irregular. Um, it took a while to level out, but you just got to keep, keep at it. You'll be able to get it under control. Mm -hmm. For sure. It is not, not the end. Right. Okay. All right. Last question. Time for another question. How long have we been talking? I, I don't know. We probably do. Okay. We talked a bunch. You didn't before. start recording, didn't you? <laughs> what I did. You, we are recording. This is happening. Okay, <laughs> when did I start recording? I don't know. We could have just been talking about whatever we were talking about. And people well, have been sitting here for an hour, like drooling, bored. Let's get into this next one because I do feel like it's... Um, it's very timely. Like these are all very right. three interconnected questions. Do you want Agreed. me to read it? Sure. So this question is from Sarah. Sarah starts saying, um, I am hoping that you can give me advice for this terrible brain fog I have. I just feel like I'm in a zoned out, tired state from waking up um, uh, during the night. Here's my background. I'm 30 years old and have was diagnosed with Hashimoto's three years ago. I pulled myself off birth, birth control, went off dairy, soy, and gluten. This last April, so I guess it was a year ago, I worked with a functional medicine doctor and did a full elimination diet. The odd thing was I never truly noticed a reaction to foods when I reintroduced them. I am still avoiding gluten, dairy, and soy due to their in inflammatoryness as well as beans because my stomach never enjoys them. And I basically eat paleo, have a ton of books, listen to your podcast, as well as many others in the car while I'm cooking at the gym, etc. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with podcasts too. And I'm looking into the NTA next year. Starting around August, I started getting massive cysts around my jawline and on my neck. It started just a few days um, before, during, and then a couple of days after my period, then slowly transitioned into the month. Um, two months ago, I read about the balance between omega-3 and omega-6, so I cut back on nut butter, started taking cod liver oil. Um, I noticed that helped for the whole month. However, this has still come back before, during, and after my period. I'm getting married in June. I'm freaking out because who wants ugly, those ugly guys in the pictures. But um, also I'm not thrilled because that means something hormonal is going on now. I got my, I get my period every 30 to 35 days, depending. Um, and my OB said that my blood work was normal. My TSH is still normal. Antibodies are high and have ANA markers. I'm not taking thyroid medication yet as the TSH is normal. So I'm super confused what to do next. I don't feel like I can fully function during the day with how out of energy I am. I tried digestive enzymes and betaine HCL, but they make me super bloated and my stomach hurt. I thought paleo was supposed to fix all these things. Am I eating too much protein, too much fat, worried that I'm missing some um, of eliminated food and we'll have to go back to that craziness again. I'm also pretty much hungry all the time and snack a lot. So there's definitely hypoglycemia stuff going on. Side note, I struggled with an eating disorder, binging, purging, restricting, too much cardio, you name it. I did it from when I was 14 until I was diagnosed and I realized I needed to get my life together. Breakfast options. 
tea. So she starts listing some of the things she eats. Um, tea with ghee, collagen peptides, smoothie with hemp powder, turkey, burgers, eggs, paleo waffles, oatmeal with hemp powder. Um, lunch is a protein with veggies, with coconut oil or olive oil, sometimes um, sweet potato or a little rice. Dinner is the same, snacks, sauerkraut, bone broth some kind of fruit, paleo pumpkin bars, coconut flour, rice cake, avocado, things like that. Supplements, uh, probiotics, magnesium, cod liver oil, Allegra. She says that she has lots of allergies. Her mouth gets itchy um, with raw veggies and fruits. Other info, I practice hot yoga three to four times a week. I go to the gym and do abs, ride the bike for 30 minutes, usually two times a week, depending on my weekends. When the weather is nice, I'll go outside for walks. I do not eat any processed um, sugar or foods. Thanks for everything you do. You guys make me feel sane and that I'm not alone. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Um, I can start. Okay. Uh, so cystic acne post-birth control is sadly pretty common. It's something that I dealt with and I had never in my life had acne before. And ever since I went off birth control, it's like, well, it, for a while it flared up for probably about two years before it kind of got under control. And I won't say that it was ever bad, but I ended up getting acne on my back that was probably more consistent than my face. But I did get breakouts that, that correlated with my cycle. So it's pretty common unfortunately, but you can get it under control. And then uh, stress. So stress can keep your hormones from being at an optimal level. And you mentioned a lot of different symptoms of adrenal fatigue. So I'm curious if you've ever been tested for adrenal fatigue. And if you haven't, or if you even if you have before, I would suggest getting tested again, and trying to figure out where you're at currently. And if you need to do a heavy duty focus on adrenal fatigue. So you mentioned taking three to four hot yoga classes a week, plus cycling for two, two days a week, and then core work. And that could be a great amount. If it's power yoga classes, it may be too much for you. You may want to cut back on that, but that can definitely be keeping your hormones from being optimal. Um, is that consistent stressor? And then you mentioned having ANA markers, which means you have some form of autoimmunity going on. So I would definitely suggest trying, you said you tried an elimination diet. I would suggest trying the autoimmune protocol. And one thing that you mentioned was that you didn't notice any, any symptoms when you reintroduced foods. But if you didn't notice any of your symptoms resolving by the time you tried reintroducing foods, then you wouldn't notice any symptoms upon reintroducing them. So this is something that is like probably the number one question that I receive from anybody who purchases my autoimmune accomplice program is like, when am I ready to reintroduce? Because I give Everybody you, a, that a lot. yeah, I give you a timeline in there, but it's, it's totally individual and circumstantial. And the time to reintroduce, I've said this before, is once your symptoms are resolved. If you continue to have symptoms, you're not going to notice anything when you reintroduce foods. You may notice some things that have resolved that maybe you didn't even realize was an issue before. But if your primary concerns have not been addressed, then it's not time to reintroduce. So depending on how you followed an elimination diet. I know it was with the help of a practitioner, but maybe um, trying to focus on more of an AIP protocol might be a little bit more well-suited for you. And then your cycle length is longer than the average or what some people might say is optimal. But I, I believe that a lot of, that people can have varying cycle lengths. I personally, fall into the same category, uh, around the same category as you. My cycle tends to last around 35 days. And I was able to conceive within two months the first time and within one month the second time. So it's not a testament as to like the health of your reproduction productive system. So I don't know that I would necessarily be completely concerned about the length of your cycle. And I don't know if you were, but you mentioned it. So I just thought I'd throw that in there. What do you have to say? So there's a lot here. 
we started, I went through and it just kind of like when I was putting this question in here, I bolded like all of the main ideas and we started talking about brain fog and kind of ended up talking about hormones. Like we talked about, um, like overall there's a lot, like we talked about gut issues, hormones, adrenal issues, blood sugar issues for sure. So there's a lot going on here and paleo alone cannot fix it all. We are both members of this community that healed through diet. Um, and you know, just at a glance, when you look at us on the internet or hear a podcast, it's like, Oh, like health food girls. Like, okay. But I think that we both try to be pretty careful. And I mean, it's really easy to fall into that trap of looking at people being like, Oh, that's like the paleo person. Like that's how they got better. But I think we try to be pretty um, cognizant of, you know, saying that it's not just about food alone and there's a lot of other things going on here. So first I just wanted to address the brain fog thing because people ask like, why is that even happening? So brain fog can be from inflammation or like an altered neurotransmitter dysfunction, cleaning up inflammation and autoimmunity can address all of that for sure. So as far as figuring out it and everything that you talked about, the gut stuff, the adrenals, the blood sugar, the brain fog, the cystic acne, like this is all stuff that can be tied back to the gut for sure. Like that is probably a big place where we need to start, especially saying that you have um, like oral allergies as well, like itchy mouth with foods. Like I'm thinking like, is it like histamine, some sort of oral tolerance, you know? So there's a lot going on here. So we need to start at the gut for sure. I'm always going to say that, but a lot of this can be um, addressed through looking at hormones. So getting a Dutch test, an adrenal test, um, things like that. Just giving yourself a little bit more context of what you're actually working with. That cystic acne. Um, I talked about recently that that's something that I struggle with and will flare up or calm down. For me, the biggest thing I've found that triggers it. And for me, the biggest thing that trigger it's a, it's a hormonal thing. So figuring out what's triggering your hormones and what's causing issues with your hormones. Again, I talked about this earlier in the episode. What I see with women is diet, stress, lifestyle stuff. So sleep, exercise, um, sugar is huge stress. So there's a lot of things just kind of going on in your life right now. Um, and I think sitting down with a functional medicine doctor and talking to them about like, okay, like I really want to get a look inside my gut. Like I want to get a stool test, like see if I have, like there could, the thing about hormones is when we keep backing up and backing up and backing up with hormones is that, a lot of the times there can be overgrowths in the gut that are blocking old hormones from detoxing. That was one of my issues that I was not detoxing old estrogen and I was like holding on to estrogen. And that's why I was getting those cysts and acne and things like that. So optimizing your gut optimizes your hormones. Um, your gut talks to your hormones. It's all connected. So that's a big thing. Talking to a doctor about a stool test, talking about an adrenal test, um, finding a functional medicine doctor that you like, that you trust, or one that you just trust well enough to start to get into this stuff a little bit deeper. Um, and honestly, I mean, you talked about, um, some of the struggles that you had in the past. And I tell everybody that I work with that seeing a therapist is so powerful to just like rein things in and just make sure that that stress piece is in check because the stress part is such a huge thing with hormones. I'm in the process of trying to find a therapist because I'm noticing how much stress is taking a toll on my body. Oh my gosh. I was texting Daniel the other day and it was just like... (laughs) Well, he's out of town right now, so I am just like a ball of anxiety. Um, I've lived alone plenty of times, but like there are just construction on our neighbor's house. There's lots of people I don't know, so you could just hear it all coming out. But I, I was te- it was like this wall of text messages of me texting Daniel, like just 
all of these, like, I'm so anxious. I'm so stressed of like, oh my gosh, it's so loud. Like what I just heard something like, it's really windy. Oh my gosh, my eye itches. I can't do it. And then he just like tests like, good morning, like later in the morning. I'm like, um, <laughs> like I'm just like seeing the stress and the toll that it's taking on my body. And there is just so much power in, like I've talked about throughout this episode, there's so much power in knowing your body, knowing your hormones, and there's so much power in taking control over, um, you know, just really regulating how you perceive and take in and deal with stress. That's something I said I'm trying to do. Um, therapists are expensive and I pay for a lot of expensive doctors. So I'm trying to find it. I'm, I'm not perfect either. You guys, I'm trying to find all the stuff and the things as well, but Honestly, we could go on forever picking out every little thing that you're talking about here um, and how to spot treat it, but that's not the point. The point is that we don't want to spot treat any of this stuff. The point is that we want to get to the root of it and see what's actually going on. So figuring out what's going on at the base, in the gut, with the hormones, with the stress and the mindset is really important. Yes. And the Dutch test, you mentioned the Dutch test or an adrenal test. A Dutch test does have an adrenal, um, it, it will test for your adrenals as well. So you, it is more expensive than just a standard adrenal test, mm-hmm. but you can, if you were to ever want to test for your hormones, hormone levels, I would suggest just getting the Dutch test since it does include both components there. And I, Personally, like from looking at everything you talked about and even the way you listed everything, I would wager that stress and adrenals is a a high part of your- Oh, yeah. Well, we are sending lots of love at your way, Sarah. To all of you. Hormonal issues are just- Everybody. Like, I feel so emotional, like just all of your questions because I've been exactly where- everybody here was. And I know so many other listeners are hearing this right now and be like, yeah, that's me. And I get it. I know I am, I've gone through it. I'm going through it. I will continue to go through it. Like every woman goes through it. Men have hormonal issues too. Like men struggle too. So people, we are, we need love. And what I'm trying to say here is we love is the answer. What's the meal of oh, the week? <laughs> yeah. Right before we get into meal of the week, the other book that I would recommend for everybody who has written in and anybody who can like somehow relate to this podcast is The Hormone Cure by Sarah Gottfried. I absolutely love that book. It's really actionable. Um, highly recommend it. Cool. Meal okay. of the week. Yes. Do you have one? Me, it's my turn, my turn, my turn. So I have a few <laughs> meals that I loved this week. Um, one, I'll just tell you guys to go look at it. it speaks for itself. It was the meal that we had for Easter brunch. Um, it's on my Instagram. It was like this big charcuterie board. It's all explained there. And just look at it. Just kind of like feel, just feel it. Just feel some emotions as you're seeing it. It's great. Um, but the other one that I've eaten, uh, I ate it like twice after I first made it. So Christina... Um, Christina Rice uh, of Christina Rice Wellness, you may know. She has a podcast and she's on the um, Straight Up Paleo podcast with Kara. Um, She was in Dallas and she came over and we had, I made some food for us and I made roasted carrots, roasted red onions, uh, salmon, and then I put this arugula basil pesto on it. And there's a picture of that on my Instagram too. It was just so good. Like that arugula and basil pesto. Um, it's actually a recipe that I developed for Lauren of empowered sustenance.com. So if you go to that website, search AIP pesto, you'll find it. And it's so good on salmon. It's really, really good. Um, and I just put that pesto, I just poured it all over that bowl after I took that picture and I just, I've been loving that pesto. So I have been craving salmon lately. So I've been on a salmon kick. Yes. Put some pesto on it. And I don't remember which one of you was talking about omegas. Oh, it was you, Sarah. Salmon. Hop on the salmon train. 
everyone hop on the salmon. <laughs> the world needs is more love, more salmon. I just feel like we need a big like community trust fall and hug after salmon roast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're like gonna a crawfish boil. Like everybody just gets together and just like open about their hormones and we just like eat salmon. I just have a lot of feelings. Do you know what I'm eat. talking about there? Yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I'm just like in the corner, like eating like some smoked salmon on like yucca crunch. And uh, that's what I'm that's what I'm putting on my plantain tortilla wraps. Oh my gosh. Fish. So oh, good. Okay. Um, well, That's it. this is probably a long episode. Yeah. It, it, I said some good stuff that I really wanted to get out about birth control though. So I hope this was really helpful for you guys. Um, if you want to email us in your questions, it is unboundhealing at gmail.com. You can find Anne at grassfedsalsa.com, me at unboundwellness.com. And yeah, go check us out there. And let us know if you have any questions. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Unbound Healing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe in iTunes and leave us a review. Until next time, you can find more from me, Anne, at grassfedsalsa.com and more from Michelle at unboundwellness.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.